Otto Warmbier tragically lost his life after being imprisoned in North Korea for allegedly taking a poster. What many of us would consider to be a high school prank, North Korea considered a malicious act. But did Otto even do this in the first place? Or was he just used as a pawn by one of the most dangerous countries in the world? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Prism of the Past. And today we're going to be talking about Otto Warmbier and what really happened to him on his trip to North Korea and his subsequent death. Before we get into it, I wanna take a moment to let you know that this episode will mention torture, imprisonment, and suicide. With that being said, let's get into it. Before we talk about Otto, let's briefly touch upon North Korea and their history of detainment. We will discuss North Korea as a whole in the future, but for now, it's important to recognize just how strict their laws are. History.com describes what life was like after the Korean War for North Koreans and explains that the state assumed control over everything. The economy, the media, travel, as well as political and economic operations. They became entirely isolated with almost an entirely Korean population, save for a few Chinese implants. North Korea has been walled off for decades at this point. Reports of massive prison camps, food shortages, grinding poverty, and shocking human rights violations have horrified outside observers. Yet it's also oddly fascinated us since they're one of the largest hermit kingdoms on the planet. It isn't often that a country welcomes visitors and when they do, these visitors are tightly controlled. They're only permitted to be in certain areas and any photography or videography is restricted. Some sources claim that North Korea simply has more limited tourism facilities to Americans in particular, and they aren't quite as strict with other countries. Another important note is that tourists are required to respect the supremacy of North Korea's former leaders. Any disrespect is viewed as a threat to the state. Americans specifically are considered a threat and are generally regarded as suspicious. Another source, World Nomads writes, It is a criminal act in North Korea to show disrespect to the country's current or former leaders, Kim Jong-il and Kim Il-sung. Persons violating the laws of North Korea, even unknowingly, may be expelled, arrested, or imprisoned. Any unauthorized activities can and will be seen as an attempt at espionage. If you travel unescorted without explicit official authorization or any attempt to talk to a North Korean citizen, authorities will see these actions as attempted espionage. Always stay with a guide and never do anything to draw attention to yourself from local authorities. So as you can see, traveling to North Korea is not necessarily a relaxing or fun experience for many. The tour guides make sure you are on a schedule at all times and are particular about what you are allowed to see. So it's not as if you have really any chance to explore. But why does any of this even matter? Because an American in North Korea is at risk of being detained. In Otto Warmbier's case, he was not only detained, but sentenced to 15 years of hard labor in a prison camp before ultimately losing his life. Otto Warmbier lived an idyllic lifestyle in the suburbs of a city called Wyoming in Ohio, not to get it confused with the state. He grew up in a middle-class home with his middle-class family, attending a small high school where he became a salutatorian because of his good grades. He was also a varsity soccer star, homecoming king, and prom king and his friends remember him as being kind-hearted and funny. While studying at the University of Virginia, hoping to become an investment banker, Otto planned on doing a semester abroad in Hong Kong. After already having traveled all over the world to Israel, Ecuador, and Cuba, Otto's next destination was North Korea. 
Otto booked a tour through the tour agency called Young Pioneers Tours, whose slogan is, destinations your mother would rather you stay away from. Young Pioneers Tours will be important later, but for right now, all you need to know is that they facilitated a trip to North Korea, their main touring destination. The Yangakdo Hotel in Pyongyang, where Otto was staying, was said to have a forbidden fifth floor or a staff floor. The floor was filled with propaganda slogans and the hotel's surveillance center is located there. Other sources say that this is the second floor, not the fifth, but the point is that it's a staff only floor. One documentary states that tourists are typically just scolded, admonished, and sent away if they're caught wandering around the floor. However, at about 2 a.m. on New Year's Day, 2016, the security footage picked up someone stealing one of the propaganda posters, Otto Warmbier. The very next day, Otto was arrested. Danny Grattan, a British man that was Otto's roommate on the trip, witnessed North Korean security officers arresting Otto at the airport. He was tapped on the shoulder by a guard, Grattan said. No words were spoken. We got on and I sort of laughed. We might not see you again. Of course, I didn't realize the irony of them words. At the time, North Korea's official KCNA news agency said that Warmbier was caught committing a hostile act against the state, which it said was tolerated and manipulated by the US government. Charlotte Guthridge, a tour leader at Young Pioneers Tours and the only outside witness to Warmbier's detention, said the 21-year-old University of Virginia student was not with other tourists when the events that appear to have prompted his arrest occurred. What happened happened at the hotel, and my belief is that Otto kept it to himself out of hope it might go unnoticed, Guthridge told Reuters. Guthridge and colleagues at Young Pioneer Tours declined to share further details of exactly what had taken place, citing the safety of their client. People didn't know what had happened at that point. The US State Department themselves didn't even know what was happening. But once it was revealed that Otto was just being accused of stealing a poster, surely this would go away soon, right? Unfortunately, that was not the case. Robert King, an employee at the State Department, got word of what happened on January 2nd and met with the Warmbier family. He warned them to expect a marathon, not a sprint, when it came to getting their son back. The Warmbiers were upset that they couldn't take more immediate action to help their son, but King had no leverage over Pyongyang. The country didn't even have a formal diplomatic relationship. Instead, the Swedish ambassador stands in as Washington's liaison for American citizens, so all King could do was wait for weeks while the Swedes' emails and calls were stonewalled. In late February, 2016, Warmbier appeared in a video released by North Korean state news agencies asking for forgiveness. He admitted to the crime of stealing a poster. His emotional confession is difficult to watch, especially because we can't know if this was done under duress or out of complete desperation to be released. Warmbier said, I committed the crime of taking down a political slogan from the staff holding area of the Yangakdo International Hotel. I apologize to each and every one of the millions of Korean people, and I beg that you see how I was used and manipulated, he said. My reward for my crime was so much smaller than the rewards that the Z Society and the Friendship United Methodist Church get from the United States administration. I never, never should have allowed myself to be lured by the United States administration to commit a crime in this country. I wish that the United States administration never manipulate people like myself in the future to commit crimes against foreign countries. I entirely beg of you, the people and government of the DPRK for your forgiveness. Please, I have made the worst mistake of my life. According to CNN, Warmbier's parents have asked the North Korean government to accept his apology and consider his youth and make an important humanitarian gesture by allowing him to return to his loved ones. Yet things already were not adding up behind the scenes. A North Korean official said that Warmbier was accused of meeting with a member of the Friendship United Methodist Church in Wyoming, Ohio, a small suburb of Cincinnati. 
There, the church member said that they would allegedly give Warmbier $10,000 if he could, quote, take an important political slogan from North Korea in order to weaken the ideological unity and motivation of the North Koreans, end quote. As North Korea is an anti-Christian communist state, I can see why Christian ideology would conflict with them, but how would stealing a poster accomplish $10,000 worth of weakening their ideals? It sure seems easy enough to print another, right? The logic there is already incredibly suspicious, and we'll get more into the flaws of this case later on. I don't wanna pause too much, but needless to say, the North Koreans were building a strange case against Warmbier. They also alleged that he met with the Z Society, a secret philanthropic society at the University of Virginia that had links to the CIA, apparently. A member of the Z Society said that the group never actually had contact with Warmbier nor the CIA, but they just sought to anonymously recognize students who contribute positively to the university. Unfortunately, things will get much worse at a much faster rate. And as I said, things are going to degrade pretty quickly from here on out. So this is where I'm going to place the sponsor for today's episode because it's not going to get much better after this ad break. You have been warned. So right now we're still going through the holiday season. And if you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all of the hectic holiday shopping traffic, then why not save some time and money with stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. And it just makes sense, especially if your business sends more packages or mail during the holiday season. I know I've been using Stamps.com for Knox Investa, the candle company. And they've been just really easy to work with throughout the entire process, easy to get the candle shipments weighed and ready to go. So whether you're selling online, running an office, or a side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Going to the post office instead of using Stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of using the elevator. And especially during this busy holiday season, take the elevator. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PRISM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term contracts or commitments. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page and enter code PRISM. This episode is also sponsored by Felix Grey Glasses. The blue light glasses that started it all. Five years ago, Felix Grey realized that we need to set out to create an eyewear that would improve daily screen time. Since then, Felix Grey has been on a mission to create a better relationship with technology. Felix Grey lenses filter 15% more of the most important blue light. So it doesn't matter if you're heading back to the office, back to school, or back to whatever. You can count on Felix Grey. I had them send me a pair of Volta frames in the color black. I think there's a tortoise shell color in black. I was just vibing with the black. It was giving me energy that I needed. And honestly, it's been incredibly easy. They're super comfortable and they arrived very quickly. They have a lot of different variations with their frames as well too. They have wider and narrower frames. They even have adjustments for the bridge of your nose too, which is also really cool. And they also have non-prescription and prescription available. So if you wanna check them out, make sure you go to felixgrayglasses.com slash prism. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash prism. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges, felixgrayglasses.com slash prism. Our top story this afternoon, U.S. President Barack Obama has signed legislation imposing tough new sanctions on North Korea. It's aimed at cutting off the regime's In money supply. In a written statement Friday, assets. the South Korean Foreign Ministry vowed to cooperate with the international community on conservative The next month, in March 2016, Otto Warmbier was sentenced to 15 years of hard labor in North Korea. 
Hours later, the Obama administration announced new sanctions against North Korea. Officials stated that this was the result of a new United Nations Security Council resolution and consistent with their commitment to apply sustained pressure on the North Korean regime. Even if Warmbier's case had nothing to do with these sanctions, his imprisonment only escalated the tension. The White House press secretary at the time, Josh Earnest, even said that it was increasingly clear that the North Korean government intends to use these citizens as pawns when referring to Otto's case. Phil Robertson, the deputy Asia director for Human Rights Watch, said that the punishment of 15 years of hard labor for a college-style prank was outrageous and shocking. This ridiculous sentence was bad enough, all just for stealing a poster, but many began to doubt if he'd even do such a thing in the first place. Danny Grattan, his roommate on the trip, said that Warmbier didn't really seem like the type of person that would steal anything and that he never mentioned anything remotely like that. We already bought some souvenirs, Danny said, so why take a poster to sell to this Christian organization? Well, Otto also wasn't Christian. He had no ties to the Methodist church in Ohio as Otto Warmbier was Jewish and had a love for Israel. He traveled there before on a birthright trip in 2014. Mickey Bergman, one of the negotiators for Otto's release, insisted Otto's parents keep this a secret and explained that if it was revealed that Otto was Jewish, the regime's case would unravel and all negotiations may have ended. As for the smoking gun North Koreans had against Otto, the security footage of him taking the poster, well, that unfortunately did not reveal much either. Released in mid-March, shortly after his conviction, the footage allegedly shows Otto removing a propaganda sign from a hotel wall. It's just about 20 seconds long and it's incredibly grainy. This figure takes a poster down at 1.57 a.m. New Year's Day, sets it on the floor, and then the footage cuts off. So as long as the person is relatively tall, it could have been literally anyone. And all that I can see is that I think they're wearing a hoodie. The face isn't shown. There's no detail whatsoever in the poor quality footage. But apparently this was enough for Mr. Bayon, Warmbier's North Korean tour guide to positively identify him. While this is just a personal opinion of mine watching this footage, I genuinely don't see how anyone could look at the clip and identify someone out of it. Reuters detailed exactly how this played out in court and ads. The court showed images on a flat screen showing efforts to match fingerprints from the banner with Warmbier's fingerprints. Photos of the trial showed Warmbier making copies of indictment and sentencing documents with red ink on his thumb. As he was led from the court in handcuffs, Warmbier appeared to turn to Swedish ambassador to North Korea, Torkel Stirnoff, who was president of the trial to ask him to keep working on his case. So just to get this in order, Otto visited North Korea and on January 2nd was arrested for allegedly stealing a poster. From there, he was going to supposedly sell it to a church he didn't believe in. After a one hour long trial, he was sentenced to 15 years of hard labor, making the situation all more dire. As you've likely heard, these labor camps are horrific to their citizens. Plenty of those that have tried to escape North Korea or committed small crimes within the country have been abused, beaten, tortured, treated like animals, and killed within these camps. One North Korean said that she and other prisoners would catch mice in their cells to eat because they were so hungry, and she witnessed six to eight fellow prisoners die every day. The human rights abuses that have been extensively documented there, and they're among some of the worst in the world. However, as for Otto, well, Things were not as clear. American detainees have been imprisoned in guest houses run by the State Society Department, the North Korean secret police. In all likeliness, Otto would have been treated better than a North Korean prisoner. Detainee and 85-year-old Merle Newman was reportedly visited by a doctor and nurse four times a day. As a high-level North Korean defector who now works for a South Korean intelligence agency said, North Korea treats its foreign prisoners especially well. They know someday they will have to send them back. 
Kenneth Bay, on the other hand, who was arrested in November, 2012, and also sentenced to 15 years of hard labor for committing unspecified hostile acts, claims that he worked about nine hours per day working in the fields, carrying rock and shoveling coal. Again, this is just to make clear that we can't know for sure what Otto endured. Aside from the possibility of physical harm though, North Korea has on many occasions tried to bludgeon detained Americans into mental submission. The psychic trauma of being imprisoned sometimes cut off from the outside world entirely with North Korea propaganda films being the only break from interrogations has driven some to attempt suicide. Even if Otto wasn't beaten, the mental suffering the regime inflicted upon him and the violation of his rights in this way was without a doubt torture. Timelines about Otto go silent for nearly a year after he was convicted. This isn't to say that the Obama administration did absolutely nothing during this time period as the situation posed some unique challenges. A former Obama advisor said the administration had no higher priority than securing the release of those detained overseas. Another one of my sources writes that Bill Richardson, the governor of New Mexico and ambassador to the UN, or Mickey Bergman, his senior advisor, would travel every few weeks to the New York Channel. This is the name of the North Korean representatives at the United Nations headquarters in Manhattan. They often serve as unofficial go-betweeners for Washington and Pyongyang. However, shortly after Otto's conviction in Pyongyang, Richardson sensed that the previous communicative foreign ministry was having its information cut off by Kim Jong-un's inner circle, a transition his team would later realize that probably dated from Otto's injury. They made it clear they would only convey our offers, Richardson recalled. They were not decision makers at all. Richardson and Bergman negotiated a visit to Pyongyang and in September, Berman achieved the first face-to-face meeting there with North Korean representatives in nearly two years. Supposedly, Bergman left with the impression that both sides were considering ways that Otto could be released, but they wanted to wait for an outcome to the presidential campaign first. Then when Trump won, they saw an opportunity to free Otto at the beginning of the term in a similar way to how American hostages in Iran were released at the start of Ronald Reagan's term. Yet Trump did not answer them. Bergman and Richardson did not receive a no from North Korea, which is a very good sign, but that was all they had. The challenge that we had is that we could not get Donald Trump, Bergman said. We tried to go through Giuliani, Pence, Ivanka, nothing during the transition. I'm assuming they were in chaos over there. I don't think it ever crossed his desk because I think he would have actually liked it. I'm not going to speculate if this idea actually did get through to Trump or not, but it's definitely upsetting that Bergman couldn't even get through to anybody there. They finally had an idea, a plan to rescue Otto, and they couldn't even implement it. After all, this, the case really began moving after the inauguration in February, 2017. Around this time, newly appointed Secretary of State Rex Tillerson briefed Trump on the warm beer situation and the effort to release him began anew. In May, Fred and Cindy Warmbier, Otto's parents, appeared on Fox and Friends to speak about the updates on the situation. According to Fred, he'd been urged to keep quiet during the Obama administration and the new attitude of Trump brought them hope. You're doing a great job, Cindy Warmbier said, directly addressing President Trump, who was known to watch the program. Thank you for putting attention on something that needs to be addressed. She added, We think this would be a great goodwill gesture and a good start of dialogue to release Otto now. Until he comes home, the last memory the Warmbiers have of Otto is watching their son tearfully deliver a coerced confession on North Korean state television. When I see the picture of Otto going on TV with that confession, that's not the image I have of my son in my heart, Fred Warmbier said. The image I have of my son is playing soccer three short years ago in high school. However, Otto's parents haven't always appreciated Trump's handling of the situation. At one point, Cindy called Trump's administration diplomacy with dictator Kim Jong-un a charade and said that unless we keep the pressure on North Korea, they're not going to change. 
According to ABC News, once State Department Special Representative Joseph Yoon met with the Democratic People's Republic of Korea UN Mission Ambassador PAC, it was in early June, 2017. It was about this time that Yoon learned that Otto had suffered brain damage and after consulting Trump, Tillerson instructed Yoon to travel to North Korea to bring Otto back. On June 12th, North Korean officials met the American delegation in Pyongyang and Joseph Yoon, as well as two doctors were able to visit Otto. This was the first time they were able to confirm his status since sentencing. The next day on June 13th, he was evacuated and brought to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center by ambulance. Some have even speculated that one of the reasons Otto was able to come home at all is because of Dennis Rodman, a former professional basketball player who has relationships with Kim Jong-un as well as Trump, and he was visiting North Korea at the time. Frankly, it just seems incredible that Otto at last was home. His father praised the Trump administration and according to one source, the results speak for themselves, Mr. Warmbier said when asked whether the Obama administration had done enough. He said President Trump had called him on Wednesday night and told him, we worked hard and I'm sorry, this is the outcome. As for the latter part of his statement, Otto's condition was dire. He was in a coma, a state of unresponsive wakefulness. His eyes may have been open, but he couldn't make any voluntary movements and Otto wasn't aware of his surroundings according to the New York Times. The specifics of Mr. Warmbier's condition were not known. His family was told that he had contracted botulism and had been given a sleeping pill, causing him to slip into a coma, according to the people briefed on the situation, who insisted on anonymity to discuss the highly sensitive matter. But American officials suspect the condition is the result of his treatment at North Korean hands, given the record of the brutal treatment of past prisoners there. Some, understandably so, believed that Otto had been tortured. Days later on June 19th, Warmbier passed away at the age of 22, surrounded by his family. Unfortunately, it seems as if Otto had been in the state for some time. Brain scans done in North Korea in April, the same month he was sentenced, and another in July 2016, both show that Otto's brain had been starved of oxygen and large tracts of cells had died. He also had a scar at the base of his neck that seemed likely to have been caused by the insertion of a tube into his trachea while being hooked up to a ventilator, signaling that Otto may have not been breathing on his own for an extended period of time. One theory written up by an author from GQ suggests that Otto may have attempted to end his own life. I'm not gonna go into graphic detail that the article does, but at least two other American detainees that we know of have also attempted suicide while being imprisoned. And that was after they believed the US had given up on saving them. As a brief aside, Otto's father had said that his son's teeth were messed up, which he believes points to torture, but a medical examiner discredited this and said that they weren't in rough condition. Otto also wasn't covered in bed sores, proving that he had been taken care of in that regard, but the state he arrived home in was unexplained. One MRI scan showed that there were no signs of a skull fracture, but an autopsy wasn't performed because Otto had been comatose for some time. Therefore, his brain would have been in a state of decay for a while. My sources are not short of theories. There's plenty to be said about Otto's condition and death and so much speculation. However, the way in which the situation was handled after Otto passed away soon is what became a massive point of contention for those following the case. Have you in Singapore or here confronted Kim Jong-un about Otto Warmbier's death? I have. Asked him to take responsibility. And what did he say to you? And why do you call him your friend? I have, and I have, and I have talked about it. I really don't think it was in his interest at all. I know, I don't believe that he would have allowed that to happen. Just wasn't to his advantage to allow that to happen. Those prisons are rough. They're rough places and bad things happen. After Otto's death, Trump took to defending Kim Jong-un, stating that he didn't believe the North Korean dictator was aware of Otto's ordeal. According to the BBC, 
Trump said, he tells me he didn't know about it and I will take him at his word. This obviously has sparked massive outrage. Trump called the situation regretful and said that Kim felt very badly about it. In those prisons, those camps, you have a lot of people. Trump blamed the prison, the camps, and not the regime itself. Even Republicans such as Rob Portman of Ohio said that, quote, we should never let North Korea off the hook, end quote. Ohio Congressman Brad Wenstrup called Otto's imprisonment and death heinous crimes at the hands of the brutal Kim Jong-un regime. And others like House Intelligence Committee Chairman Ada Schiff went so far as to say Trump's response was detestable and that it harkens back to his duplicitous acceptance of denials. Trump has consistently been accused of being far too easy on dictators. And in this specific example, it's not hard to see why. The Guardian wrote in March, 2019. In North Korea, he had initially appeared before cameras in apparent control of his actions, if in evident mental distress. Pyongyang denies he was tortured. Trump met Kim this week in Vietnam at their second summit regarding North Korea's nuclear weapons. The meeting ended with no significant diplomatic gain for the US, but a concession to Pyongyang, the cancellation of major US military exercises with South Korea. In Hanoi, Trump told reporters that North Korean dictator told him he didn't know about how warm beer was treated. As for Otto's parents, they were justifiably upset at hearing this. We have been respectful during this summit process, Fred and Cindy Warmbier said. Now we must speak out. Kim and his evil regime are responsible for unimaginable cruelty and inhumanity. No excuses or lavish praise can change that. Trump subsequently tweeted, of course I hold North Korea responsible for Otto's mistreatment and death. Most important, Otto Warmbier will not have died in vain. In a speech near Washington, Trump also spoke highly of Otto and his family, claiming that he loved Otto, his parents were incredible, yada, yada, yada. Some news sources referred to Trump's language as shameful and about face, considering that when Trump was asked about Kim Jong-un taking responsibility in 2019, not only did he say that he didn't believe Kim was aware, but he also emphasized that he brought other hostages back that were in good shape. Otto's parents may have given Trump credit for bringing their son home and shown support to him then, but they didn't stand by him afterwards. So why did this happen? Why was Otto sentenced to 15 years of hard labor for allegedly taking a poster? Well, that answer, much like this whole situation, is complicated and essentially a mystery. North Korea has a long history of detaining foreigners and has used jailed Americans in the past as political pawns, extracting high profile visits from the United States to secure their release. CNN wrote that only days after Otto's arrest, they claimed to test their first ever H-bomb. Only a few weeks later, they conducted in a satellite launch leading to further isolation. In addition, there are those that have pointed to the tour group, Young Pioneer Tours for their recklessness. I was able to access one of their articles, 10 Myths About Traveling to North Korea, but during my research, it went down and it, it, was, it was spooky strange. Thankfully, there is an archived version of this through the Wayback Machine. And after a brief read, you can clearly see how safe they painted North Korea to be to tourists. They state that it's not hard to visit North Korea and that it's a myth that you can only see certain places. YPT also claims that the government won't spy on you and that quote, I highly doubt the North Koreans are spying or taking notes on foreign tourists. We at YPT arrange a tour group at least once a week throughout the year and have been doing so for over 10 years. With the constant in and out trips, our two local guides who are with the group throughout the tour are with us to help answer any questions guests will most definitely have about the country. Despite YPT's claims, religious freedom in North Korea is non-existent. Their conditions for this are among the worst in the world. Multiple other sources explain that you're only allowed to visit certain places if you travel there, and there's close to nothing in terms of interpersonal interaction with local people. 
Many who've escaped North Korea are against tourism there because the money goes straight to the central government and the oppressive regime. Yet YPT talks about North Korea as if it's just any country, just a little bit stricter laws. Now, they're not the only ones to have had this happen. Yuri Turas has also come under fire for these exact same problems. Many tourists that travel to North Korea are naive about the dangers there and in Pyongyang specifically. Young pioneers and tour groups like them prey on that naivety. Alex Hoban wrote an article for The Guardian in which he states, I traveled with YPT, Young Pioneer Tours, which was responsible for Warmbier's visit on my first trip to the country in 2009. At the age of 23, I drank down the sales pitch of budget trips to destinations your mother would rather you stayed away from and its logic of intrigue, adventure, and daring with no real sense of the risks. Over the years of its operation, Young Pioneer Tours has developed a reputation for gung-ho and unruly alcohol-fueled youths, propagating an unreal idea of North Korea where safety is an afterthought. Looking back now, I feel lucky that the ice never broke beneath my feet. YPT made the little substantial comment at the time of Warmbier's arrest and its tours continued. Only now in response to his death has the company announced that it will no longer be taking US citizens to the country. Now that there are no illusions about just how bad a fall can be, how many will still be willing to accept this as a one-off tragedy? When one is already too many. If you want to read the entire story, it will of course be linked in my sources below. YPT is still advertising to tourists, maybe not the ones from the US, but other parts of the world, as well as downplaying the dangers of North Korea. North Korea's tourism industry here is effectively putting young college aid students at massive risk, all for profit. Some sources even question that they're luring them into a trap, likening the city to a movie set meant to humanize the regime. Personally, I feel that these tour groups need to be held accountable for downplaying the risk of traveling to North Korea. Multiple tourists claim that the anti-American propaganda there is so strong with images of people burning down the White House that it makes them uncomfortable. Others say they didn't experience hostility and that as a Brit, they didn't really feel threatened there. Some even suggest it's important to go so that North Koreans do have some sort of contact with the outside world, even if it's only through tourism. Aside from COVID travel restrictions, the US State Department strongly warns US citizens not to travel to North Korea and notes that at least 16 Americans have been detained there in the past decade. The Australian government advises people to reconsider your need to travel to North Korea due to restrictions placed on foreigners and a very different laws and regulations applying to behavior, as well as intermittent North Korean threats against international interests. New Zealand identifies the country as high risk and advises against all tourist and other non-essential travel. The British government does not advise against visiting North Korea, but urges travelers to follow the political and security situation very closely and stay in touch with your host organization or tour operator. Ultimately, traveling to North Korea is still a risk. And personally, it's not one that I think is worth it. With all of that being said, that's where I'm ending today's episode. Otto's case is something that throughout the years I've been watching and more closely than I think I would like to admit. I was morbidly curious and always afraid. I wanted to know, and I was hopeful that he would come home alive. In 2019, when he did come home and ultimately died, it was something that really broke my heart for a reason that I can't fully explain. I get it, he shouldn't have gone to North Korea and he wanted the sense of adventure and he adventured a little too far. But it was like someone close to my age that went on a vacation, went to go see something new or interesting and essentially never came home to see friends or family again. it I don't know why it struck something with me, but the case has always fascinated me. My heart's go out to the Warmbier family. I 
can never understand what this feels like. I don't know what it feels like to have contact with two presidents and to have them both seemingly unable to save your son at the end of the day. But that is not for my place to make assumptions as to what they may be going through, how they may be recovering. I'm just sharing a story that has really touched my heart. So with that being said, that's where we're ending today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.